welcome to Talks with the Feminine with Annie Taylor. This podcast explores the many ages, stages and facets of the feminine journey. Through discussions with many different and amazing women, I seek to uncover a glimpse of what it truly means to identify as a girl or woman in today's social climate. Thank you for stopping by to invest in this discussion. Hello and welcome to Talks with the Feminine. I'm Annie Taylor and we're here tonight. Well, it's night time. It probably isn't when someone's listening. Um, with Olga, who is a good friend of mine and we're going to be, I guess, breaking into this whole experience of parenting in the pandemic at the moment um so hi hello hello, <laughs> hello. <laughs> it's the best way to start just hello oh, here she is hello. she's talking um yes so we're just I suppose we decided this was a good topic to start with yeah because it seems like the thing that's forefront of everyone's mind at the moment it seems like it's all over every piece of social media and we're all trying to um uh what's the word um navigate this whole experience of of parenting and schooling and everything that's going on in this really weird time um so i guess first thing out of the gate um yeah tell us a bit about you and your experience and um you know the why you have to do the parenting in the pandemic thing <laughs> yeah <clears throat> no it's cool um okay a little bit about me mm-hmm. I am um so I have known Annie since I was 12 Yay. we did go to school together and we've been really good mates for a long time um we really got close once we had kids <laughs> I think we realized that our values and our um our ideas around the way that we respect our kids and the way that we want to raise them was very, very similar. Mm. Um, similar. Yeah. So, um, I have two children. My kids are five and a half and three and a half. And so one of them's just uh, a preppy. He's just started school this year and then pandemic hit. And so I've been thrown into school child, but also, um, parenting a school aged child during a pandemic while being a frontline worker that goes to work in a hospital three days a week. Um, and I have no education background. Um, like I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a teacher. I don't, I don't know anything about phonics and um, I don't know, developmental stages. So <laughs> the magic for me, of phonics. This is, yeah. <laughs> oh my, yeah. So yeah. like, I don't know about like phonics and I've had to like YouTube Venn diagram and, you know, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> um, I have no clue. So I guess this is really relevant to me because I've got two little kids. Um, I'm, yeah, suddenly, you know, family help has uh, um, disappeared. The community, the village help is gone. School is gone. Support was gone. And it was, um, I guess, everything on me. Yeah. Me, the teacher, the parent, the emotional support um, while working out what the fuck is going on in the world <laughs> and um, remaining somewhat yeah. uh, calm myself yep. and sane. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Lots of tools. Lots of tools have been used. <laughs> Lots of tools. Well, um, I was going to say, oh, yeah, like it's so funny when I think anyone sort of puts it in um, in real terms 
it's like when you say it out loud, you're like, holy crap, this has been, <laughs> this is intense. The sheer been... amount of, yeah. Uh, yeah, work involved in what's this whole experience has been. Um, but um, we'll go back and so uh, before all of this happened, um, I suppose, you know, as you said, you and I have got some pretty similar um, values on parenting and, and um, uh, I guess, um, mm, approach to that. Um, so I guess I wanted to go all the way back and ask you, first of all, to talk a bit about, um, well, what your upbringing was like and what kind of, um, how that sort of shaped your parenting um, up sure. to this point. Yeah. Sure. So. Um, all right. I will paint you a picture. Paint a um, picture. It's good. And I do think about this a lot because I think mm. it really, really frames um, the choices that I have made. Yeah, so do I. That's why I kind of oh, wanted you to talk about it. About yeah, because <laughs> I really think um, it's a, it it brings a particular scope to your experience um, as I know it. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Like, I yeah. think about that a lot, actually. Mm. Um, okay, so I was born in the Soviet Union, and um, I was kind of I don't want to say raised, but I lived with my grandparents until I was about five and a half in their apartment because both my parents worked full time. So. Um, like my parents were very involved and I saw them a lot, but I did spend a great deal of time with my grandparents who were like much older, very old school, uh, communism, Soviet mentality. I yep. say you do, um, uh, I guess for them and for my parents, stuff like rote learning poems was very important. You know, you had to, you had to demonstrate that you could academically, um, succeed yep. and, I guess for them, and I've learned this over the years, um, the more I've learned. So I asked my mum once, I said, did you ever teach me empathy as a kid? And she went, nah, kind of assumed that, you know, you'd work it out along the way. Yeah. And I did as I got older, but I was a bit of a douchebag kid. Um, <laughs> so like empathy was really lacking there, stuff like that. And um, anyway, that fairly, to, so, like, was that fairly um, standard for people to be yeah. kind of raised by their grandparents? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. very standard. So mm. um, the only way my parents could really make it through, and I'm talking, you know, we couldn't afford to buy meat because, mm. yeah, my parents both worked full time. My dad was also studying at university. Even so, like, you know, we'd have to line up in this massive queue just to be able to get bread. We couldn't yep. afford to, to eat meat, stuff like that. Like the level of poverty was pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone lived in like a tiny apartment. You know, if you had a car and it was really old and broken down, that was your car. Um, so stuff like that. Yep. And uh, I guess I got raised in a family of, well, a country and a community of poverty mindset. So, mm. uh, yeah, I can really see that playing it out now with my parents. And so I've really gone the other way, I think. Um, <laughs> but the big things I think that, that um, have impacted my current choices are that as a kid I didn't go to kinder, I didn't go to any sort of place where I had a chance to socialise with kids and there was never any focus on teaching me communication skills, uh, empathy, any of that social um, stuff. Mm. Yeah, that didn't exist. And so, and so that's while you were, I mean, a lot of that's, you know, sort of in, um, well, before you came to Australia. Before I, I came to Australia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
all I knew until I was about five and a half was grandparents' apartment, yep. you know, playing downstairs with a couple of kids. And that was it. That was the whole world. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, there wasn't any of this extensive like, this is India and this is this and here's a different food and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It was like, here is communist Russia. Uh, here's a poem that you can learn about, you know, communist Russia and, <laughs> and be quiet, shut up, you know, go over there and play by yourself. So that was it. And then I guess what happened was we then left Ukraine. Mm. Um, we were allowed to come here kind of as refugees. We came on a refugee visa because we were fleeing. Um, and when we got here, I got put into school. Um, and you came with one parent, is that right? And no, no, both parents, they but both my grandparents. Came. Yeah, they both came, but my grandparents were meant to come. And uh, um, my grandfather had a heart attack, you know, in the airport. So oh, That's right. Uh, yeah, we got uh, split up and they got sent um, to Israel yep. at, at that point and we got sent to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so the big thing for me was being put into school in April. Um, so the kids had already made their friendships and, you know, connections. Mm-hmm. Um, I got thrown into school. It was April. I spoke no English. Yeah. I had never been taught any um, separation skills no, from my no. family or my parents, like yeah. literally zero. And uh, I said to my mum, please don't leave me, as she <laughs> led me into the hall. And I can clearly remember her saying, don't worry, I won't go anywhere. And then she left. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, yeah. and I know how that ended up. Like I know that that led to a whole childhood of um, anxiety and all of these sorts of things. So that has completely shaped all of the choices that I have made with my kids in terms of when I sent them to childcare, um, mm. teaching them about separation, teaching them about, you know, yeah. That's it's kind so, of, that's, it's so funny to me because like I, I also had huge separation anxiety as a kid at, <laughs> extensively yeah. and I didn't yeah. come from another country and have no English. I just couldn't. Um, yeah, I didn't have any scope around that either. And I, I was terrified. (laughs) Um, I just moved from one city to another and that was quite enough. So, um, yes, I can see how that would have a pretty, um, massive impact on your scope around how to, uh, prepare children emotionally for, um, sort of foreign, um, situations and things where you're like like (laughs) I'm uncomfortable just I felt as a kid that I didn't have um I felt as a kid that I didn't have any tools I felt like no one had ever given me a toolkit yeah and I just got thrown into the world and I really had to scrape and make my way through and work it out as I went Mm. which was really really stressful and (laughs) has um like I can you know even as an adult I've got a lot of anxiety and all sorts of stuff that I would really Mm. love my kids not to have um, I know I can't shield them from it, but I think that I try my best to give them tools every step of the way um, so that they don't have to go it alone. Mm. I think that's been the biggest thing for me. Yeah. So I guess how would you describe um, uh, like sort of your, I guess, style of parenting? I feel like when when we <sighs> – first came into this whole thing you know uh both you and I were very um sort of in the beginning of it all it was very 
naive. <laughs> yes, but also, you know, uh, sort hopeful. of that we natural parenting. What's the word I'm thinking of? It was all sort of very oh gosh that, and I'm not sure we're all in that boat anymore as much, if that makes sense. So you know, I'm like... not in a boat anymore. I'm floundering in the waves. They crash upon me, and I'm trying to stay afloat. Oh my gosh! No, no. fish at least can breathe. Um... <laughs> not in the boat. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes, I apologize. No, I'm the person that's drowning. Um, <laughs> oh, you are not. But, oh, gosh. Oh. Sorry. Yeah, very morbid. Um, okay. So I, I like a bit of morbidity. <laughs> I got told in year 10 I submitted, um, I think it was like an essay, and the, the review that I got was, great essay, super um, cynical. And I just went, yeah. Yeah, um, that's basically what I got back from all my poetry in year uh, nine as well, so I totally understand that. Yeah, like, well, yeah, this yeah. is a bit depressing, but it's very well written. <laughs> <laughs> that was always the feedback that I got. Yep. Uh, okay, so I guess how how has my approach changed from when we got into this? Yeah, and what it looks like now for you, I suppose. Yeah, sure. Mm. Um, I think when all of this started, I had an idea of what kind of parent I would be academically um I always yeah so I I always got raised and told that my greatest skill was my mind that I'm very academic and um high achiever and I know myself that I'm very much like a type a personality and um like if I set myself a goal I will definitely reach it I will push and I'll get there yeah so that's me and even if it causes me to like have a nervous breakdown I will get there yes uh I have proven that many times yes and many nervous (laughs) breakdowns yep so mm. this is the mindset that I came into this. I was like, great, I've got this, you know, this is uh, homeschooling. I can sit down and I can teach him because I really get learning. Yeah. Um, I, I might not know how to teach, yeah, so like phonics or whatever, but. Ugh. Sorry, I don't I know. start Ugh. on bloody phonics. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kuh, mm. kuh, kuh. Um, <laughs> yeah, who, who doesn't want to I'm, engage with a, a bloody hell. noise being made at you? <laughs> at you with your hand flicking around. So, you know, oh, I've God, you're doing cute articulation as well. Yes, Jesus yes. God. I now know what that term means. I have learnt things. I've learnt stretchy snake. Like, mate, I know stuff. Ugh. Yeah, okay. Yes. I'll come back so, to that. <laughs> I, I went, we will have to discuss this. Yes. <laughs> I went into this with a mindset of I got this. I'm going to – I'm. Uh, I had just read this incredible book. It was called The Brave Learner. Okay. And I had read it before the pandemic hit. And I'd actually read it because I would love to make learning fun and I want my kids to retain curiosity. And I I think it's so much more important for me to teach them that they want to learn rather than like, you know, teach them information, if that makes sense. Yes. So I had read The Brave Learner and I had done heaps of work on that at home and in my mind. And so I had kind of an idea of, you know, if I was homeschooling, how I would approach it. Mm. Having said that, I feel like this experience, because it has been so relentless mm. and uh, oh, I feel like I'm on a treadmill, like I haven't had a chance to step off and um, – regroup decompress uh, yeah yeah decompress mm. and step back and you know um analyze what's happening and i also feel like i'm just getting bombarded with these emails from school of things that they're offering for me to teach him i kind of have lost my way mm. so what that looks like now is i have completely at the end of this journey um stepped back from what the school offered academically um I've pretty much completely let myself off the hook 
And uh, I'm lucky to say that Stefan and I are on the same page. That's my husband. Mm. So both of us have completely, completely stepped off the academic train. And um, my focus the last few weeks has completely shifted. So um, I have not been teaching him, um, you know, what's been provided. And I've been, um, we've, we've done a lot of reading. We've turned whatever we read into like plays that the kids can act out and um, songs. And, and I've really focused on uh, safety and communication and um, cooperation in my family. Weird yep. stuff that he can actually use. Yeah. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I've got to say before I leave this bit, there yeah. was a turning, turning point for me that I can clearly remember, which is mm. when um, I had to teach him about Venn diagrams. Right. So my kid is five and yeah, I'm already having problems, sorry. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not that I had to teach him, like, the concept of Venn diagrams, (sighs) but it was really specific. Like, we had to draw shapes, cut shapes, and then compare shapes and put them into categories. And it created so much disconnection and so much conflict between us. Yep. And I could feel it all day, and I just went, why no. am I doing this? Yeah. Why, yeah. Why am I doing this? I'm not someone that generally follows a system because I'm told to. I'm very much a, eh, I'll take it or leave it. That doesn't it. work for me. Um, yeah. 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 That doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um, I've always been that way with any kind of system or rules. And that was like the turning point for me quite early on where I went, no, mm. this does not work. Let's, yeah, let's do something else. It's such a strange thing to me as well, because I don't, I mean, um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that. I suppose when I was first um, teaching in, in a primary school setting, because I'd already taught in kinder for a while, I uh, first of all, having an early childhood background, I didn't um, look at teaching in as much of an academic light perhaps as some people do um, because I had more of a social-emotional mindset from the outset and I'm just like thinking about trying to force a prep to use a Venn diagram to sort shapes as opposed to giving them toy shapes to physically sort if you really wanted to do that which you know what can you say there might be a bit of a curriculum clash there but I just think um not to be you know, mean and nasty, but I just think it's um, it's not necessarily uh, the well. It's not a great approach to take, but it's also not a great approach to take for pe- for for sending to um, home. Like it's one thing if you've got a big group of kids and you can get them all to contribute to this project situation and they can all uh, interact with each, each other and get something socially out of the experience of sorting shapes, but if, you know, just as an example, it just, I don't know. I think, I think this whole thing is like of, of being in lockdown and, and having people thrown into this situation where, I mean, technically they're not homeschooling because homeschooling is a different approach again, but they're like, right, well, here's the stuff we were going to do at school. We want you guys to now do it. It's like, I think it's been really hard on teachers because they've just had to hit the ground running and hope that what they're sending is appropriate but it's so like so taxing for parents because 
um, it's not like you had time to line that stuff up with how you wanted to approach this whole pandemic thing. So I feel like every time I see um, one of those meme type things on Facebook that say, you know, dear parents, please don't freak out during this time. You know, they the kids can catch up with some of this academic stuff later. What you want them to have is like grounding and, um, you know, security when they come back to school because that's much harder to catch up on. I'm like, yes, I can see. Because <laughs> I obviously I don't have to teach a prep. So it's a bit of a different thing for you. Um, but I was going to say that's um, – uh, yeah, I mean, it must have been a bit, of a, a bit of a shock to the system to be like, okay, well, he's starting school, yay. And then now it's – yeah I think um so what you've just said I'm actually really happy that you said that because (laughs) I have oh mate yeah I really value your opinion that's why I'm talking to you um (laughs) yeah so I'm glad that you said that you Mm. just said something really gold I think which was um in terms of them catching up in the the social um emotional thing Mm. So for me, I think the hardest part at the start was I really felt like I was letting him down. I felt like all these other kids, you know, were going to be academically on track. And I was like, well, I'm not providing that. And for me, academics was pretty high up there is is Mm. what I thought. What this has really shown me is that academics for me was the lowest rung, Um, like mental health, communication skills, cooperation and – yeah, that's that's actually turned out to be one of my highest values. So yeah, I think that's been our biggest focus and I'm really glad that you said that because, you know, leading into this conversation, I still kind of felt like I'd let him down because I didn't teach him about how many corners, I don't know, a rectangle has or whatever. But <laughs> yeah. I have spent the last, well, his almost six years of his life, but really the last six weeks really honing in on, yeah, all of the emotional and um, social skills Mm. that I I really felt that he needed right now. Yeah, um, no, it's um it's just like from teachery type point of view, like really a perfectly competent teacher um who gets a year 2 who doesn't understand shape classification or uh phonetic awareness or phonemic awareness either one. Um I don't know the difference whatever. so it's all good. Yeah, or no, any of that stuff. Like uh, if I like I I've no had idea. when I've taught grade 2s who turn up in a in a prep level, you just go, "Okay, well that's where they're at and I'll just get to them to the next stepping stone." Like that's and the I hope, whole um, point. <laughs> I have to say like I've been I like I love our teacher and I feel like she's been really supportive. There was a little bit of a time where yeah. I felt and and this was quite early on where I was really letting him down because mm. we're both working and we that's just That's the thing it, she she can dedicate the time and that's her job yeah. is to get him to and that so next she, phase. And so she did so. end up calling and really put my mind at ease. And mm. I thought I'm really grateful for that because I think that um yeah, I I also realized during this time I don't really have a lot of self-compassion. No. Something that I do need to work on. Mm. Um, and I feel like she gave me compassion and that helped me give myself compassion. And yeah. then that helped me give my kids compassion and not ride them as hard. And I feel like it was just like a ripple effect that um, brought mm. a bit more harmony to our family and really set us on the path for the last six weeks where we, um, yeah, we just took a different approach to pandemic crisis schooling. 
yeah. which is pretty much a survival. Like everybody just surviving and not losing their shit. Uh, and yeah. everybody still lost their shit. <laughs> yeah, a lot. yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, I just think. But like hopefully less you know, so. So, you know. From from teacher's point of view, like, you know, I think in in not pandemic time, in normal time, by the way, you can feel you believe like, we're in a pandemic? <laughs> I know. What the hell, man? It's ridiculous. Oh, I feel like yeah. I can't believe we're even having this conversation. I feel like six months ago you and I were like, huh, what? Um, what? My what three-year-old keeps going, before the virus. Yes. It's so dystopian. Like, I know. Oh, my gosh. As my before child saying, came, what does she say? Oh, yeah, like, after this coronavirus is over, can we do, yep. you know, yeah. Mommy, when, when do we get to go back to the pool? <laughs> oh, gosh. God, I wish we could. Um. Yeah, no, I think just like teachers end up with, um, it's always a, a, a ripple effect in the other way as well in that everything's always top-down pressure um, and depending on, like there's always sort of government-based, particularly government, I mean I, my experience is in government schooling, but I assume it uh, applies to any government body, the top sort of pushes down um, and eventually sort of, you know, it's like, um, government body pushes down onto like area managers essentially and then onto principals, onto teachers, you know, that and good uh, managers and stuff will filter some of that but sometimes teachers end up with this brunt of like, holy crap, I'm supposed to be providing stacks of things to these parents and, you know, and that now in this situation – has the effect of um, putting that same pressure then again onto parents as opposed to like used to kind of ease off a bit more. I mean, I think parents still always cop it because they feel like they've got to do heaps of stuff at home with their kids when they've got, when they get sent homework and the rest of it. But it's very different when it's like, okay, well now you have to teach all the time. (laughs) Good luck. I kind of, I found, yeah, I agree with everything you've just said. And yeah, um, what I found was that uh, I'm, oh, I've kind of learned this over the years anyway. Mm. I've kind of learned not to compare myself to other mums, right? Yeah. Because I, I think comparison is the thief of joy. Thief of joy. Yes, it's uh, very hard however, to avoid, but it's yeah, there. Really yeah, really hard to avoid. I totally agree. But, mm. um, I think what I've kind of taken away from this is when I've shared like my shame and my, you know, truth of, hey, mm. I kind of suck at this homeschooling thing, having a really hard time, um, kind of abandoned it and I'm really focusing on play and, you know, all of that stuff. When I've shared yeah. that with other mums um, from our year level, that's really resonated and it's kind of really brought us all together yeah. because it's kind of I feel like given them permission to be like, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's really hard it's and I'm shit. so glad you said that. and mm. I, yeah. yeah. I think um... – yeah, I th- I think it is that it you can't get out the other side of this. Um, re- I mean, it, if everybody gets out the other side of this with children who can um, be, I suppose, resilient in the face of something as as complex as this situation. Um, and God, also yeah. us, like if if we can get out of this. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In one because I really feel like um, yeah, like for me- myself, mm. this has been. Uh, trial by fire of yeah. being upskilled and um, mm. my own skills and my own tools. Oh, well, I definitely think it's, end. you know, um, it's one of those things too where, like, I mean, uh, it's it one of the horrible gifts of this whole experience, at least for me, is that it's like, well, 
Um, you know, like everyone always says the old cliches, like, you know, you can't um, pour from an empty jug or whatever it is. Yeah, um, yes. And I've always heard that and sort of gone, yeah, I kind of agree, but not really felt it. But yes. lately I've just been thinking, you know, um, given the current situation especially, um, but, you know, it's true generally as well, is like – you don't, um, you, you like kids don't like, I, um, what's the way to say this? Um, <clears throat> like our children don't benefit from us being totally empty and miserable. Um, oh, I don't, well, I don't think they know, benefit at all if we're totally empty. And no, miserable. but I think but they if get you, taught to be empty and miserable. Yeah. That's, that's what I was trying to say. Like, <laughs> like I'm kind of. You know, I'm used to, I think, to some degree, uh, deprioritizing myself um, so that I can prioritize them. But I've started sort of with all this going on, I'm like, "Mm," especially because I'm 100 years pregnant as well, that probably doesn't hurt. Um, (laughs) I'll be like, oh, but I need to prioritize me as a modeling type behavior at this Absolutely, point. Absolutely, yeah. Because, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Not that I deprioritize them, but it just means that I, I like, if I need something, I, you know, I should do that so that um, when they are adults, you know, they will go, oh, yeah, I need to do that thing for me. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, Absolutely. You know, whereas otherwise I'd just be like, Give, give, give until I collapse. and Which I don't think is like you're not a martyr and um, I don't think that's really healthy modelling for a kid. No. Yeah, that's I I just like, And it's not something I do intentionally um, but I think it's just pre-pandemic it was like, you know, yeah, I'd take time for myself when I could um, but, you know, there was no, I think, you know, there's no I necessity though, to carve that out as that's right. strategically as this. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about you. Like I've kind of had to, so for me, carving time out used to actually mean being away and alone. Yes. Um, that, that's what was built into my life. And you and mm-hmm. I, you know, we used to go to Pilates together. So stuff like that. Yeah. It used to always involve me, my body physically departing my house yes. and doing an activity, right? Like Pilates or um, a coffee with a friend or something or like, I don't know, a massage yep. or a walk. And yep. I guess what you're saying as well is that option is no longer available. No. Um, my body can no longer depart to go somewhere and have a little bit of alone time. So I have definitely had to shift and change what self-care looks like yep. and putting me first looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know about you, but for me, for example, like I would always, um, if I could see that there was housework to be done, I would pretty much go until, like even if it took me two hours, I would just keep powering through until yep. it was done. Whereas I really had to, um, I'm always in my house. And <laughs> as you are aware, there is always housework. So I've actually had to go, oh, man, okay, all right, like I could do the dishwasher, but I'm going to go and sit down and play guitar. Yeah. And like I'm actually going to physically shut the dishwasher, which is really hard for me to do, walk over to the couch, <laughs> pick up the guitar and sit my bum down and yeah. I'm going to play it for half an hour. And even if the world is like on fire around me and everyone has, you know, stuff, because <laughs> everyone always has stuff, like I have really had to force myself to work out what um, taking care of myself mm. while still surrounded by kids with all of their needs looks like yeah. during the day without being able to like, you know, 
actually remove myself. just go, I'm yeah, away from actually this. actually go. So, yeah. And a couple of times I have just gone because I've absolutely lost my shit and I've just put headphones in and obviously there's a parent at home. Um, you know, yeah. put on a walking meditation so that I don't blow a fuse. But most of the time I've really had to adapt and find a new way to take care of me, like, you know, mm. um, have a coffee among the chaos or, you know, play guitar, sing a song while we're going for a walk, stuff like that that I would have never done before. Yeah. No, mine's, yeah. Um, I was going to say, yeah, it, it just, um, you know, I, I kind of have, uh, you were saying before about not comparing yourself to other mothers and things like that. And I, I've definitely... Which, of course, like I still do. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Um, so I think that's normal, but it, yeah. Yeah, that's right. But you try not to go down that rabbit hole too much. And that's what I... Absolutely. I agree with that entirely. But where I have always compared myself to you is in your ability to stay on top of housework because I'm just shit at it. I'm so bad I have at to it. say, though... <laughs> <laughs> I just don't even. So um, it's just interesting to like because you know my uh, you know we finally saw my mother for the first time in a hundred years this last weekend, and she came and did a whole lot of washing at my house, and she said to me, "Oh, you know, you need to do a, a load every day. Like you haven't done enough washing." And I was like, "I have been doing a load every day, but that's my limit, and there's still like." a lot there for me to do. It's never ending. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, it just seems like I've done like four or five loads today and I don't see how you could possibly be working through it every day with that being the case. And I was just like, you know, in the past I would really go into a huge shame spiral about that, to be honest. Um, But I just said to her, no, like I'm doing it. But it's just, it's not getting smaller. It's just like... But also, can I just add, like, your family is inside your house all the time. Yeah. Um, People are there all the time. It never gets done. But also because, like, there are never usually that many humans inside a house 24-7, which really does exponentially increase uh, mess. Yes. And and just... Feel like here yeah. I am doing the and, the dishwasher while oh the the clothes are you know piling up and my toddler is wetting herself or something oh, and then I there's more have... washing and then there's more it's you know paint oh. on the walls or something. <laughs> there's just yeah. it, there's always yeah. something. I've got yeah. two things about that though. The first mm. thing being um, another way of self care is I have taught my five year old how to do the dishwasher. Yes, I really my, my four year old's doing go... that now too. I have to say, yeah, yeah. and I don't think. Yeah, I don't know whether I would have really pushed it as much had we not had a pandemic, but that's really mm. made me step back and go, all right, I'm not a martyr. Um, yeah, where can my kids pull their weight? What can they mm. do? Um, so I've taught him to do that. And then the other side of that is uh, the reason that my house is always immaculately clean has a lot to do with anxiety because mm. if my external is cluttered and my internal is cluttered, um, I can't get grounded. Like I, I really, um, I feel like I'm lifted off the ground and I just, I'm spinning. And so I really have to make sure that my external environment, my house is just spotless and clean. And then I can just, yeah, yeah no, I, can, I totally like, work, get that. I can I, work my way through yeah. what's happening inside. So if you yeah. ever come into my house and my house looks, I don't know, pretty clean, that's because I have lost my shit at people that morning and there was just too much stuff and I felt really overwhelmed and I just cleaned Yes, yeah. that's what that means. See, it's the sort of weird opposite to me. I get paralyzed by it. So I, yeah. I um I actually hate having my area around me environment cluttered as well. But I, I just 
at some point, especially because a lot of the stuff in my house ends up not being my stuff. So sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm living yeah. in somebody else's like messy psyche. <laughs> um, so, so I'm I like, well, I can't when the do kids... anything. So. Yeah, if my kids leave yeah. their toys around, that's a big trigger for me. Like I'm happy for them to play, but then if the mm. toys get we, – we've had a discussion as a family about what's their area and then what's like the shared area that we all have to exist in. Mm. And if I find that their toys are completely swamping the shared area, for me that's kind of like a red flag. And um, yeah. yeah, 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 then th- that needs to get cleaned up. Yeah. I don't, which uh, yeah, they I now don't know even... how to do. I don't even know how to go down that pathway with this being the current situation. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just, it just feels like so overwhelming to me to to, to be entering into discussions about um, order and tidiness and all the rest. Like yeah. I'm trying to yeah. like get them to unload dishwashers and pack away books and stuff and like it's been going all right. But it's like I just feel like um, – you know, at the start of this whole pandemic thing, I thought, oh, cool, what a great opportunity for me to like, I mean, it sounds really odd now, but like at the time I was like, well, this is really crap, but how can I make, you know, lemonade out of this situation, you know, as they say. Um, I don't, I disagree that that's crap just, because that's, I think that's the right mentality to go in with. Oh, um, but it just didn't really pan out, you know, like it was sort of, oh yeah, like what a great opportunity for me to like, you know, start organizing some of this stuff and like. Um, you know, get the kids to have a bit more connection and and, and and like that's fine and we kind of did, but some of the wheels fell off as well. Like you don't um you don't get everything you know, I had like whole plans to like go proper teacher again and design. How have you found this? Because your kids are quite little. Like yeah. how have you found the experience? What is Ugh. um mm. Oh I love that. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> I just oh. retitle this instead of calling it, you know, parenting in a pandemic. I'm just going to call it. Oh. Um. I agree. Just, I mean, that's like such a perfect summary, isn't it? Just put that Gosh. in brackets at the end. Um. <laughs> you know, people at work when I run into them, they're like, "Hey, how are you?" And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> Let's not discuss like, this. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm. And then they just keep walking. Oh yeah. yeah, no. It's. I mean, it's just been um, because you know, as I say, clutter and things like that really um, bug me as well. But my usual strategy is to get out of the house, and yeah. I haven't been doing that, and it's been quite taxing. I think it's been challenging for me in that, um, it's just been about soldiering on really, and it's felt really, really long. Um, partially cause I'm quite pregnant. I think, you know, everything feels longer, especially at the end. This has felt like I, you know, I looked back at journals and things that I wrote in my last pregnancy and how I felt like it was going on for a really long time at the end because everybody feels like that. But this has felt like, uh, like I'm like two year ago, me, what a whinger. Like it was not that long, you know, cause this is long when you're like, well, I haven't got anything else to really um, pull away and do. Um, And also I had beautifully planned my children's uh, year in a way. Like I I had their days, their schedule kind of organised because I I do believe in a certain amount of um, not so much structure but like routine to kind of, you know, get them into, um, you know, this sort of feeling of knowing – a bit about their sense of belonging 
and they're in in what they do each, in each week, but also in their community and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of, you know, there was kinder lined up and there was, you know, family daycare was all sorted and blah, blah, blah. And these were the days that they went to swimming and we saw people these days and, blah, blah, blah. and the amount of time that they had kind of locked away to go to their grandparents and then all of that was just like, no. So all of the stuff that I'd kind of really put in place to try and um, – I mean, it's probably been more more difficult on the on the four year old than the two year old, by a long shot. Um, and it's you know now that we're looking at going back to kinder and everything, it's like we're starting all the way back at the start of the year again, but without that kind of gradual. Okay, this is how we've very clearly planned how this is going to work and how it's going. So, I you know I'm also very aware of trying to um, give them both a sort of sense of grounding that I really did not feel I had and I have a real huge value around that. Um, So it's kind of, it's been like challenging but it's also been like, oh, well, but we've hit the ground running. Like I just have to just kind of go with it um, and, and try and be the roots that I so desperately want them to have, I suppose, in some way, shape or form. And like, I think they've been um, pretty amazing. But for me, it's the same thing. I I, um, I went into it thinking I was going to design a kindergarten program for my, for my kids because I know how to do that. Um, and I wanted to, you know, help out other people and reach out and really get that moving. Um, but the the more we got into this, the more it was like, I just need everybody to, I just need everybody to still have some sense of security and normality and just try and, you know, <laughs> keep my shit together. Um, yeah. I think the biggest takeaway yeah. of this is the, the mother's mental health. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And how much it kind of, of the, comes down to that. Yeah. Like something on the news the other week about like, oh, you know, well, it's really, um, obvious that mothers take on so much in you know you know I was just like this isn't news like how was that news I was like had they asked a mother (laughs) yeah they had this one woman there and she was like well yeah like this is (laughs) what isn't news usually like it's just on steroids kind of thing because she's like well yeah I always do like you know 80% of the housework at the same time as working two or three days a week and being completely on top of my children's social calendar and all the rest of it. And now it's just that, but intensified. So intensified and with no help. Yep. Yeah, that's right. It's not like you can, yeah, yeah ring in a grandparent or whatever. Mm. Mind you, um, my whole approach has been, there was a certain point um, when I was, I don't know, you know, low 30s, weeks pregnant um where um I think it was probably through women's circle or um one of those many things um or in preparation for my mother blessing I had to sort of go okay I'm not going to achieve all of that um and I need to actually start focusing on things like uh all of the meditation that I do in the lead up to giving birth and I need to be going 
back into that and focusing on um, the value of that for myself because uh, I'm not doing anyone any favours by overloading on all this other stuff that I, I now feel like it has to happen. So, um, yeah, so I guess uh, I've ended up kind of like every day is like a little bit uh, kind of groundhog day, you know, you kind of go into a um, uh, uh, like a rhythm, but you know, my kids and I go for a walk and we'd go to the bakery and we'd get some food and then we'd come home and one would go for a nap and the other one would watch TV while I was having a lie down and meditating or watching something or eating my bakery sandwich. And I was like, I'm just going to do this every day. (laughs) Um, Have you found that? Have you found that? um, So like for me, Mm. we're exactly the same in the same boat in terms of Groundhog Day. Um, I found that really mentally challenging though. Um, Yeah, knowing that I'm going to bed at night and then I'm going to wake up the next day and the day (laughs) all being well. Um, Yeah, yeah, like I found that really, really, I found it really hard to go to sleep because I know that when I wake up, um, the clock resets and yep, and that begins again. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no end in sight. So for me, I'm really thankful. Like I know you haven't had this opportunity. Mm. I've been able to go to work. Mm. Um, mentally, I think that's that's been incredible. Yeah, um, I was yeah, going like, to say I, I was going to ask you so about challenging that. Not to go to work. Yeah, because I've worked, but I've worked um, in an online capacity. Um, yeah. but so your body's very still in different. Your house. Yeah, you can't leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, how have you, well, I want to ask you about work, but I want to, um, uh, I wanted to ask you about screen time stuff as well. Cause that was the other oh, thing man. I'm going to, yeah. yeah, cause I'm, <sighs> yeah, mm, Gosh. I thought I was, you know, problematic in my last pregnancy in terms of I was exhausted. So I would let the kids have, well, the kid then have bit much TV for a two year old. And now I'm like, oh man. Again, I was too mean to myself. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I really, really have always valued people communicating face-to-face mm-hmm. and using their imaginations. I really um, I make a big point for my kids to have a lot of time where I leave them be and I, I expect them to make up games and do whatever. I want them to be bored. Mm. So what I've really struggled with is the school handing my kid an iPad. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. He's never had an iPad. And um, I. Is it one really that the school to... provided or is it your one? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, I don't have an iPad. Um, no. I've never had an iPad. I, mm. I'm not saying that to be uppity. It's just like we just. That's not it, a we thing haven't. you have. Yeah. That's not a thing that we have. So, um, yeah, I found that really hard because the school pretty much handed him one so he could do the work. Yeah. And I was very, and am very grateful. But that's also meant that I look at my child holding, you know, an iPad for a lot of the day mm. if he does the schoolwork. And that's, I think, a big reason why I've stepped back from it as well. Um, yeah. And I found it really hard um, yeah. having to point like a device at him to document him doing stuff. Yeah. So um, screen time wise, I think, oh, gosh, yeah, I think we've all just had to be really self-compassionate and mm. kind of step back and reduce our oh, boundaries, I guess. Mm. Um yeah, it's definitely something that I've really had a hard time with and I'm really happy that he's going back to school because he's giving the iPad back on Monday. Yay. Um, yay, that thing will be gone. Yay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> will... yeah. I mean, and, I'm um... all for a little bit of it, but it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like their behaviour and their um, 
general demeanor just goes to absolute shit after I agree. an yeah, extensive definitely. amount of screen time. Yeah, yeah. So, and then you just feel just like, me, that's been hard. making this harder or easier on myself? Yeah, I think I've know. been making it harder, to be honest. So um, a lot of the time I've really gotten rid of it and just gone, nah. look, I'm kind of going to turf, mm. you know, whatever was set for today. You have a choice of going out in the front yard or the backyard and, you know, you can do some hammering or painting or I don't care mm. what you do, make up a game. But I really would prefer that you went and used your imagination rather than stared at this thing yeah. and poked, you know, buttons. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting yeah. you say that because I, I feel like, you know, you know, you sort of asked me how it is for me having – slightly littler kids um but it's like um oh particularly for my bigger girl like she because she can probably um do a lot of the sort of um academic-y stuff um and as I said I wanted to have like a proper fancy sort of play-based program for her that I came up with but giving her that space to just get bored and figure it out. Like she does have TV in the middle of the day when I'm doing my, I need to sit down thing. Um, but generally like, um, I don't like to leave her with a screen too long. Cause as we said, you know, it just ends up being a total shit storm in like, you know, three hours later. Um, but <laughs> she, um, yeah, she's sort of – I think that thing where they have to figure it out, like they just have to um, kind of do old-school play-based, I'm coming up with this game. And I don't know about you, but my kids have kind of um, bonded a lot in this yeah, time. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I really say that. Yeah, because I, I, like even today, like, um, you know, with kinder going back, uh, my big kid went to kinder and they're like, but – like the small one's like, well, why aren't I going? And the big one's like, why isn't she coming with me? They're just so – they just want to be together now because they've become yes, so – Yes, they're a unit. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I found that as well. Which is good and bad, but yeah. And, but, you know, what you said was um, going into this, like what can you take out of it? What's the silver lining? All of that jazz. Mm. I think that's the biggest one, to be honest, um, yeah. the relationship and, and yeah. Family dynamics altogether. Family really. dynamics. I think family's mm. just been the biggest takeaway. Um, yeah. But yes, so bringing it back though, you yeah, you still work. <laughs> oh, <laughs> How's that been? Because so, well, yeah, yeah, I'm really grateful. Um, like I've always been really grateful to go to work, but yeah, you've getting... always enjoyed it a lot more than than I have in uh, some yeah ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's not so. I, I'm a radiographer, and it's not that I like mm. really dig taking X-rays. Um, that part's, yeah, it's fine. It's part of my job. Mm. I really dig the people. So I get to be one-on-one with people and I get to be empathetic. I get to hear their story. I get to laugh and have a chat. I love that. Like, you know, yeah, 100%. I would do that all day, every day, and I do. Um, <laughs> That's how I uh, ended up in childbirth ed, to be honest, because I love that bit of that too. Whereas, like, yeah, yeah. when you leave I your kids people. to go look after other people's kids, you're like, oh. This feels weird. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. for me, um, I'm extremely grateful because I'm so aware that there's a lot of people that have lost their jobs, um, yeah. people in my family as well mm. and a lot of friends. So, I'm mindful of that. I'm grateful yeah. that I get to get in my car and I get to drive somewhere. Mm. Um, my husband has worked from home for eight weeks now. So, he's pretty much sat in one chair alone with no company other than kids. Kids coming and going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's had yeah. homeschool as well. So that's been like a whole thing. Um, yeah. Okay, going to work. So I love my job. I love 
the interaction with people and I love that I can provide them with, I can make them feel seen um, Mm. at a time when they're having a really hard time and I can make them feel important and I can calm them. Um, You know, most of the time when people are having an X-ray or a CT, it's not for a good reason. No. There's a lot of anxiety there and I think my skill set lies in uh, finding the humour in that situation and really making people feel at ease. Mm. I've been really grateful for that. Having said that, when I go to work, uh, there has been – it's kind of taken the – this pandemic has ruined work for me. Um, It's it's so annoying. I know. It's like really inconvenient. But what's happened was work was my safe, happy place away Mm. from um, like, you know, the mundane of day-to-day life. Mm. And going into work now is really stressful. Um, And the reason for that is like – there's a lot of restrictions um, in the hospital now. We all have to have our temperatures checked. It's quite confronting. Um, there are a lot of patients that are coming in that are getting swabbed, so we have to wear uh, the full PPE. Yeah. And I guess for a lot of people this virus is an abstract idea. Um, and I I think I'm trying to make the point that for me it's not abstract. Mm. Um, I'm the person that puts on you know, all the, the whole Yep. Yeah, all the layers. And then I open the door that says, do not open. And I walk up to them and I, you know, I'm standing beside them and I'm the one that has to touch them and all of that stuff. And then yeah. I have to come out of the room and like scrub the crap out of my hands. Yeah. So, um, yes, very grateful that I still get to go to work and I'm employed. But having said that, it's mentally like next level taxing. Yeah. Uh, so I think the summary of this podcast is uh, <laughs> being at home is hard. Then I get to go to work, which is hard. Which is terrifying. <laughs> which is terrifying and hard. And everyone, like, uh, everybody, there's just this really heightened level of anxiety amongst all um, patients, staff, you know, everyone. And mm. then I go home and everyone's stressed. And it's, yeah. So I feel like, there you go. That's my experience. Of yes. Work. This whole thing is, yeah, pretty oh, man. friggin' this is just- overwhelming in the purest sense do you know what i keep coming back to like mm. i totally have to name drop julie tenner right now yeah, yeah. I think it was julie that said this it could have been bridget i feel like it was julie and <laughs> she said this no i think she wrote it that's right there was a post so i read this and i was like this is fucking gold and i have thought about it all the time yeah so it said she has that effect is- yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. so she said this is my training ground Mm. and I have really taken that on board. Mm. This is my training ground. This is trial by fire, but yep. this is where all of the things, every book that I have read, all of the tools that I've tried to take on, um, everything that I've taught myself about empathy and self-compassion and compassion to others and um, breathing through it and meditation and I don't know, fucking anything, um, this is the time to use that, and so that's what I've really taken away. If I get to work and everyone's stressed, I'm like, all right, this is my training ground. Mm. And when I go home and everyone's screaming at me, this is yeah. my training ground. Yeah. Well, um, it was, it's like my mantra. Yes. And it was funny you bring that up because, um, you know, when I'm working with, when I've been doing work with Julie lately as well. Yeah. The big, the oh, big I'm so thing, jelly. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> great. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Um, yes. I feel very fortunate that I get to do that. Um, and that she's been she's been very very generous to me as well as um, as uh, as part of my pregnancy and um, just 
fucking everything, you know, whatever. <laughs> I can't even, I can't even start. <laughs> I can, it's like, yes. I, it'll be like a whole another hour of me talking about and gushing. But, um, so I won't do that, but I, um, you know, <laughs> you can, but my phone battery will die and, will be sad. <laughs> and Skype will tick out on us. Skype, Skype will tick oh, out. Yes. Poor Skype. Um, but something that keeps kind of cropping up is, um, the role that anger and frustration has in this time yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was just, you were talking about your kids all coming, you come home oh, and my all fucking screaming kids. and <laughs> Yeah, I just oh. – uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had the thing this afternoon oh, yes, where, that's right. where they're the all podcast. tired oh. and uh, <laughs> and um, I don't know. My big kid, she's in bed uh, cracking it because she doesn't get to – I don't know. I can't even remember what it was. It was some stupid thing. She was just cracking about every little thing. I had them yeah, in the bath. Yeah, that's been our day. Didn't want to yeah. get out, didn't want to get in, didn't want to, yeah. you know, get dressed. Oh, Everything was just so hard. <sighs> And I was like, I am feeling my limit. And I don't actually feel anger as intensely as all that. Like I feel pretty patient. Oh, mate, I feel anger. But I, I am – I always have it ready. Yeah. It's right there. Yeah. That's why I thought I would bring it up with you because it's not that I don't get it. I just um, – I, I just I, – I don't know. I kind of have a very quiet – underlying sort of thread of anger <laughs> um and that's what I love about you I really um yeah I use you as like my muse um <laughs> and so oh, well, I, I really that. yeah I totally try to channel Annie because I'm like okay Annie would not have lost her shit <laughs> like, <laughs> I might have internally though you know oh, mate. <laughs> yeah yeah but internally is cool internally doesn't oh, involve like, is it you know, though I mean I mean Julie keeps telling me to go and hit something with a baseball bat lately so oh, that I can Annie I took up mm. baseball like come on <laughs> I need a baseball bat I don't have one <laughs> this I literally I oh I'm glad you said that Julie told you that that makes mm. me feel good like I literally took on playing baseball because I'm like I need something um, yeah. It was really therapeutic. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, it's good to have an anger practice, I think. But mine tends to be um, writing stuff and breathing through stuff. But I yeah. guess I was that just... That sounds healthy to me, though. What's oh. wrong with that? Well, yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes it's like, how much am I actually getting out here? And my poor cat gets victimized every evening because he yells at me to, to feed him. And I just yeah. yell at him. I was just, ah, you are driving me insane, you little See, shit See, you know cat. what I'm finding? I've just had like, I've just had like an epiphany. So, mm. and it brings you back to what you said about the clean house. Yes. Um, yep. You tend to be a, and I, I don't mean this in an insulting way. Um, I think insulting. you tend to be more of like a um, flight or freeze kind of person, I guess, when there's stress. Mm. So, um you said you tend to, if the house is a mess, you tend to leave or you get frozen by it. You know, if there's anger, you tend to, um, I guess, yeah. Yeah, Similar, I'm more of an appeaser um, as well. That's the yeah, other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas for me, I'm very much like a fight. So if, mm. if my house is a mess, I'll flip a fuse and I'll yell at everybody and I will, like, fight the house. I'm mm. going to stand there and I'm going to clean that house. I'm not going to get out of it until, like, I win that house. And <laughs> if I'm pissed off about something, um, yeah, I'm going to fight it. So yeah. I think fuck you house. That, <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. you house. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you family. <laughs> I love my family. My kids are going to listen back at this one day and be like, "Oh my god." No, they're um, not. They're going to be like, "Yeah, fair enough." <laughs> yeah, my mom said, "Fuck." Um, <laughs> right on, mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what I've kind of gotten out of this. Like, yeah, I think so. Anger-wise, I'm very much like a fight. Um, I see red. 
I'm like a bull and I use you as a muse because I think that you've got that step in between your primal brain and your thinking brain that pauses you and I'm really working on getting that step. Um, I kind of, I wonder if maybe it's just a little bit to do with, for me, like it's just to do with the fact that I, I had to be patient with kids before I had my own kids though as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, oh man, patience. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I work on patience. Oh God. Mm. Yeah. Well, you, you're pretty impressive because of the fact that these are things that you have to work on. It's not just, um, stuff Oh, it's a that, daily practice. Oh yeah. my God. It is so hard. I literally feel, so you know how you said you kind of feel it in the background. I feel it absolute I remember in listening the foreground. to Julie say something yeah. oh my gosh it is in the foreground and it literally I remember Julie once saying that so she um it was in a podcast from Nourishing the Mother which I love and she said something along the lines of she actually has to keep her mouth shut because she can feel the awful things that she wants to say on the tip of her tongue yeah so that is me like down to a T I can hear the things that I could say to my family and they are awful because when I hit that point like I literally have to stop myself and every day that's my struggle. Well, my and struggle, especially at I think the moment. Anger. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I don't think oh, you're yeah, alone. Yeah. I mean, yeah, thanks. you know, yeah, I think there's definitely um, something to be said for um, women needing to have a, have a place for a healthy expression of rage that perhaps. Oh yes. You don't rage. as a, you know, social <sighs> construct really have. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, enter pandemic just to be like, uh, oh, pandemic. Oh my do gosh. Even... Do you know oh. what? So this experience, um, there's a lot of, I thought, well, no, they weren't tools. They were like scapegoats of ways that I coped with being a parent. And a lot of it was really external. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, let's go to a play center. Let's go see grandparents. Let's do a thing. Yep. Um, yeah. Like really external stuff, childcare, whatever. So uh, pandemic came and I feel like every single external coping tool that I had was stripped away. Yep. Then I need to add that I then was like, cool, let's find some current external tools, which for me was like sending my kids out on their bikes, um, you know, skateboard, whatever. And then my son broke his arm. Yeah. And fucked that all up. <laughs> yeah. He's fucked it all up. So <laughs> it was literally like, all right, so I now have no tools. Yeah. Um, no, ex- sorry. I, I, I should take that back. I had no, external tools mm. and so this has literally been my training ground of okay all right how do I cope and handle yeah. this only using what I have inside yeah. and no external um like literally nothing external to help me yeah and that's what this has been to me yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and I think it's all about um kind of a oh, gosh a willingness to just like open to that not just because you're like right well to your kids as well. I mean, that's for me. I just feel like, you know, um, man, it's just been a time of, um, real kind of, uh, uh, honest sharing. Yeah. Honest, honest (laughs) sharing, but also, um, like to the point where, um, you know, if, (laughs) normalizing of emotions that might be considered to be negative as well. So it's, you know, when my kids are angry or upset, sad, disappointed, um, hurt, any of these things that it's so easy to fall into the sort of social norm of shutting it down, quietening it, making it okay, um, 
you know, fixing it, distracting from it, whatever. Um, it's just been this. I hate distracting from no, it. No, me too. It's not really my thing. I know Unless it's really something words, really but nothing. But it's like, yeah, it doesn't, um, it's not, Do you know what it comes it's down not my to favorite me? tool. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it comes down to me to, um, like, I love my parents, mm. but my parents, uh, yeah. So I feel like I trust my kids. I think that they can handle it. Yes. And I always say to them, um, yeah, you can do hard things and you can handle hard feelings. Mm. You're not going to break. Um, you've handled hard feelings before and you'll make it through. And I have this really, really deep trust that they can handle it and I can support them in it. Yep. Whereas I feel like I was raised in, um, like my parents would, I guess, lie and find ways to, uh, take away the bad feeling like quick. And they still do it with yes. my kids, distract them, give them a toy, do this, offer this, um, Mine do the Dance thing monkey. where they go, we're just not going to talk about this anymore a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or we're going to talk I'm about like, something else. And I'm like, yeah, it's no. not, this is not processing Yeah, and it's not creating a, a strategy. It's just, and like, look, I understand to some degree, like, uh, y- you know, if um, I need to go and get a blood test, I will distract myself. Stop. But yeah. that's not the same as having a, a big emotion about something and not being able to um, actually work through it and and also to be framing it so much about, well, this is not an okay thing for me to be feeling. How do I get away from it? Um, yeah. And, yeah, I think that's something about this pandemic that we can take away, I suppose, is that it's because you can't fix it. So I can take away that I, and I think like, I can definitely say the same for you because you are heavily pregnant. Um, (laughs) I think I can take away that like, I am so much more resilient than I thought. Mm. Um, and, and the stuff that I thought would break me, um, fuck. Cause it's been really hard. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been really hard. Um, the stuff that I thought would break me hasn't. And maybe I don't need all of those external crutches that I really, really relied on Mm. because I'm actually okay. I can, yeah, I can handle it. Yeah. I got this. Yeah, yeah. totally. And me and my anger, you we know, got this. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's just like, it's fine. And it's all who fine. Who could have imagined all of this shit, really? Like, even. Who saw this coming? Yeah. What the fuck? A year ago or. <sighs> oh, you know, even a few a year months ago, ago. Like, March. Yeah. You're like, what? <laughs> so, where the fuck did this yeah. all come from? I mean, like, yeah. it's not something that you imagine happening in your lifetime in a weird way. Like, you know, when we were back in high school, this is not how we probably all um, thought there would be a year in our or a couple of years in our life that, that look like this in our future. You know, like, I suppose nobody ever does. Um, I think, so this, this podcast, you and I talking, mm. it's kind of like a, um, what are they called? Time capsule? Yeah. Is that the yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah. It's like a virtual time capsule. So I'm really curious, say, I don't know, whenever this shit passes in like yes. a year and a half, whatever, for us to go back and listen and be like, wow, yeah. yeah. And because, to be thinking about yeah. this huge traumatic kind of mm. event, it, it, it's just staggering out into the sunlight after this is all, you know, I don't know. I don't know yeah, how hello, things like me. this end. But <laughs> yeah. I yeah. hope future me listens to this in a, you know, packed restaurant somewhere alone. Ah. <laughs> All by myself with my wine. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what? You I don't miss wine as much as I, I do. You can be there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the way to oh, do it. Oh. You know what? I, I know we're kind of wrapping up, but I do want to mm. add, I've never um, – I, like, listed all these great tools, like reading books and podcasts and blah, blah. 
Um, like I've never been a drinker. I don't drink really. And yeah. I went to the supermarket the other day and part of my grocery list at the top of my list was <laughs> limes um, and gin. And yes. Good. I drink now. Yes. <laughs> yes, I drink now. There you go. That's now. something so else you've taken away yeah, from this experience. Yeah. So to summarize, uh, and I now drink. <laughs> I now drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think actually yeah. it's probably a good thing that I can't, well, you know, oh, by yes. virtue of having a, a tiny human inside. If I had um, a tiny human, I would just eat my body weight in chocolate. That's been my other thing. Oh, I'm definitely skill. there. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. you you sent me chocolate and that I was did, much yes. appreciated, I have to say, because, yeah, You're I ate welcome. like a block of Kit Kat in like, <laughs> mm, I reckon it was probably – Six hours once it was all lined up. Oh, I just kept going back. Know, I was, as I was ordering it, I was like salivating of what I would want to eat. Oh, man. I was like, yeah, I would totally eat a Kit Kat right now. Annie can have a Kit Kat. <laughs> well, I the the love was felt and appreciated for sure <laughs> through the Kit Kat and the fact that you had desired the Kit Kat as well. <laughs> it uh, totally gluten-y, worked. Gluten-y Kit Kat. Mm. <laughs> that you can't have. That oh, I can't have. Damn gluten. I forgot about oh, the gosh. gluten. Yep. All right. Well, we will wrap up, but this has been very lovely. Hey, you thanks know. for having me. Yeah, yeah, oh, cool. absolutely. Thanks for yeah joining in. I mean, I feel like I tried to talk you into this ages ago. Oh, I don't know. It's been like a year and a half, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But I'm really glad you came around to the idea. Because, yeah, it's all the drinking. <laughs> that's uh, thank you, gin. You know, why not? Oh, gin, uh, wine, cider. I don't know. Yeah, have good taste. Yep. Yeah. Gosh, my poor future children listening to this. Yep. Oh, they'll be right. Hi, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, yeah, this has been cool. Thank you, Annie. No worries. All right, I will wrap up. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you once again for joining me on Talks with the Feminine. If you would like to share your story inquire about my programs or reach out for any other reason at all, please contact me via my website www.deepbluewellness.com.au or you can email me on annie at deepbluewellness.com.au